Father, this morning, once again, we come to you for the hearing of your word. Your word is life. Not was life, not will be life. It is is life. And spirit for everyone who believes and receives. The flesh profits nothing. But for the spirit, it is the very life of God. And I pray, Father, you would quicken our spirits this morning. That we would receive your life. Your word is light. I pray, Father, it would dispel the darkness in us. Your word is strength. And I pray, Father, you would strengthen us through your word today. Your word is healing. For it is written, I sent forth my word and healed you of your infirmities. If praise did not heal people today, worship did not heal your people today, prayer did not heal your people today, I pray, Father, that you would send forth your word and heal us, O God. That you yourself would rise over us with healing under your wings. And we would go out healed, made well, made strong. That we may continue to walk in your ways and walk with you. To this end, commit this time. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. When I'm here, start preaching, honestly speaking, I see no one. I was telling two of the kids from GSS who came. Oh, I forgot, I didn't. They came for a Bible, and I think I haven't given it to them yet. And I said, after so many years, I'm actually seeing your face now. Let me look at your face clearly. Because honestly, I don't see faces. Then only you can preach. If you see faces, you can't preach. So this morning we will quickly recap last Sunday. And I hope you listened to yesterday's message too. Last Sunday's message title was Can Man Walk with God Again? Right? It was Can Two Walk Together? That's the entire purpose of salvation. The effects of salvation is that we won't go to hell. We'll go to heaven. We'll have mansions or at least a hut. Don't worry. We'll have. He said mansion. Okay, so in heaven even a hut is a mansion. Okay. okay, we'll walk on streets that are of gold. We'll have a different body. These are all effects of salvation. But the purpose of salvation is that man would walk with God, man would serve God forever, enjoy God forever. So we had this rhetorical question from Amos in Amos 3.3. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Answer, no. If you are not agreed, you cannot walk together. Okay? Any two people, you see them walking together, you know they have agreed on one subject at least. One area. They have agreed. And when disagreement begins, they go their separate ways. 
or time. Barnabas and Paul who walked together, united in the spirit with the word, with the gospel, had a disagreement over John Mark. And it was such a strong disagreement and they went both their ways. It's always this, this, this dispute with theology and who was right, who was wrong. And funny, a lot of people side with Barnabas. I, I, I choose to go with Paul. Because of scripture. Because of scripture. Because the argument he puts is that we are on mission field. And we don't want to quit her with us. He left us halfway and he went. Now you just want him because he's your nephew. We don't want him. So they had a disagreement and they went two ways. So what did Paul do? He took Silas and wetted him. You know what happened next? They are in Philippi, in the jail, beaten up. Think, instead of Silas, it was John Mark. Should have been a different story. Should have been a different story. Okay, so... We go with scripture. We don't know Barnabas mentored him. His name means encourager. Leave all that aside. Go with scripture. Because as far as I understand, that's the last time Barnabas is mentioned in scripture. Not that God in use it. God in use it. Yet, everybody who walked with Paul after that is mentioned. You make a mistake sometimes by living a person. Okay. And the worst thing you can do is to leave the person of God. Can two walk together? Unless they are agreed? Answer, no. And we saw last Sunday, the only way we can walk together with God is that we agree with Him. He doesn't have to agree with anything. Because if He changes, it is not for our good. God is perfect. So God should not change. Because if he changes, it is for our worse. The first time when the Bible says change is the word for repentance. You change your mind. The first time, if I'm right, the Bible says God repented. It was bad for mankind. Everybody died except eight. So Lord, please don't change your mind about me. Lord, have mercy on me. But when we repent, he changes his mind about us. Okay? Even man called Ahab repents and for a season God extends his life the other words we looked at was from Micah 6 8 he has shown you oh man what is good he has shown where has he shown read your bible simple where has he shown he has shown you oh man where has he shown in your bible it's very simple it is here 39 books for the old generation old testament 27 extra books for the so we have 66 books which tells us what is good. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Do justly, be just, but love mercy. Why? Because we all stand here because of the mercy of God. That's why the Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. So love mercy, do justly. Okay. Meaning, you be just to people. When people are unjust to you, we have two lawyers sitting here. When people are unjust to you, what do you show? Well, the court doesn't show. Mercy. Court goes by the law. Mercy is not in the court system. 
Okay. So, you be just in your dealings with people. But when people are not just to you, what does the Bible say? Show mercy. Okay. And when it comes to God, walk humbly. Why? Because He is humble. Only two humble people can walk together. If God is humble, you are proud, I am proud. We cannot walk with God. God is humble. Low, meek, lowly. Okay. Jesus says, learn of me. I am meek and lowly. And the Bible says about Jesus, Jesus doesn't even raise his voice. If he was mad, he was only mad with the Pharisees. Walk humbly. So we saw, Lord, but how do I walk? We saw last Sunday, the solution is with God. Okay, because we have to go back to God's word. Isaiah 55, it's a beautiful chapter. Read the whole chapter. Okay? It's a beautiful chapter, verse 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. What does it mean? It means a season can come in your life where you don't find him anymore. We saw in Esau's life, a season came. He couldn't find. We saw in King Saul's life, a season came. He couldn't find God. He tried every method and he's facing disaster and death. But God refused to speak to him. And the book of Proverbs talks about that. If you constantly ignore him, a day and hour will come. In the hour of calamity, we cry out to him and he will not answer. He will actually laugh at us. He said, okay, it's like the boy crying, wolf, wolf, wolf. Okay? So seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Do you know when he is near? Today? He's here. Why? Because one, his promise. Two or three, gather in my name. I am in your midst. He's here. Two, the word that can save you is very near. Very near. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the lordship of Jesus Christ over any situation. He says it can save you. He's near. He's near. The best place to be, especially on a Sunday morning, is in the house of God. And what does he say? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon him. So how does the wicked forsake his way? In the house of God. You learn the ways of God. That's why the teaching of the word of God is so important. Because when you listen to the teaching of the word of God, you understand God's way and you understand your way. Otherwise, we will not understand. The teaching of the word, the preaching of the word of God, that's the word of God says, preach the word in season and out of season because it shows us God's ways and it shows us our ways. And then only we will know, oh, this is what I need to forsake. That's called repentance, changing our mind constantly, aligning it with the ways and the thoughts of God. And then when we come that way in repentance, when that comes, what happens? God will always show mercy. Mercy is his nature. Judgment he doesn't like. The Bible says he does not like judgment. He doesn't like judgment. But he has to judge. Mercy is his way. And how does he show mercy? Abundantly pardon. So the question is, call upon him when he is near. That is what repentance is. Okay. What is Repentance. Repentance is the ability to change your mind. 
align your mind the way God thinks. In 2 Timothy chapter 2.25, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps, but God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Please understand this. Everything that is good originates with God. And one of the greatest gifts God has given mankind is the gift of repentance. It is a gift. If you do not receive the gift of repentance, you cannot receive the gift of salvation. That's why the Bible says, repentance towards God and faith towards Jesus. Before I can have faith towards Jesus and receive the gift of salvation, I we need to pray, Lord, give me the gift of repentance. Lord, give me the gift of repentance. It's a gift. All the things from God is freely given. It's a gift. Psalm 80 is interesting. It's a cry of the psalmist for help. <clears throat> give ear, O shepherd of Israel. You who lead Joseph like a flock. You who dwell between the cherubim shine forth. Before Ephraim, Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come and save us. If God doesn't come, we will not be saved. Because salvation is with him. Come and save us. Look at verse 3. Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. Salvation begins with God. doesn't begin with man. Lord, would you please restore us? Lord, would your face just shine upon us? Lord, and then we shall be saved. If you read that psalm, three times the same verse is repeated over and over again. Lord, would you please restore us? That should be our cry every day. Lord, would you restore me? Oh Lord, would you save me? If you were to grant me the gift of repentance, if you were to show mercy and grace, I will be saved. No one can save themselves. That's why we need a savior. In John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said this. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. We cannot come to Jesus. We cannot even go to Jesus unless the father draws us towards Jesus through his spirit. So salvation is not, not a joke. It's a very serious thing where all three persons of the Godhead is involved. Okay? There has to be a cry from within us. When you hear the word of God, there really, every time you hear the word of God, there should be a conscious understanding in our mind. You know what? Lord, I need to change. Lord, I need to change. Lord, would you please help me to change? We cannot change by ourselves. This thing does not work by flesh. You can change in so many things of the world or almost every things of the world by your own understanding, with your own willpower. But with this, when it comes to salvation, you cannot. It is not possible. Every time we need to cry out to God, Oh Lord, would you save me? Oh Lord, would you restore me? Because no man can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. And the Father draws us to Jesus through the Spirit. That is why Jesus said, wait. Peter, wait. Paul, wait. All of you, not Paul, all of you, wait. Don't go out preaching. Wait in Jerusalem until you have received power. And when you receive power, you shall be my witnesses. And then when the day of Pentecost came and when he preached, the Spirit of God was moving. But the Spirit of God is not moving over everybody. He's moving over those whose hearts are touched by the Word of God. 
and he cuts them. And 3,000 cry out, what shall we do? Only 3,000 is drawn towards Jesus. You see, the Spirit of God is drawing, by the Father through the Spirit is drawing the crowd to Jesus. What shall we do? He says, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's being drawn to Jesus. Who is drawing? The Father. Through whom? Through the Spirit. But the problem with the Spirit we have seen, the problem is always with the Holy Spirit. We can ultimately block the Holy Spirit. Even with Israel, God says in the Psalms, he said, you grieved my spirit for 40 years and finally I said, that's it. I'm making an oath. I have sworn an oath in my anger that you shall not enter into my rest. So all the warnings in the new covenant is connected with the spirit of God. Don't, 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 don't be very careful. You know why? Because he is the one. And the psalmist understands. So in Psalm 80, verse 17 to 19, Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man, whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn back from you. He said, you know what? Who is the son of his right hand? The psalmist has no idea. Prophetically, he is speaking. We know it is Jesus Christ. He says, Lord, your right hand is working out salvation. If your hand is upon that man who is on your right hand, if Jesus were to intervene, You know what? Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. You have to do it. You have to do it. If you don't do it, we will not. But our duty is to cry out. Once we hear the understanding, you know, this the problem is that we hear and then we forget. We don't do the appropriate response every day. We don't go out to God and cry, Lord, would you restore me? Oh Lord, would you save me? There's so many areas in my life which I'm not even aware of where I need to be saved. That is what is called sanctification. He's saving us, saving us, saving us, saving us to the uttermost. But the Bible is very clear. He is saved only those who go to him. Only those who go to him. So this is the cry of a psalmist, Asaf, if I'm right. But it's a new covenant cry. Lord, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand. Upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn back. We will not turn back from you. Revive us. We will call upon your name. Would you please do this work in us, Lord? Because we cannot repent unless it begins with God. We can but understand intellectually and cry out. We can understand. Everybody who is sitting here except the baby is sitting here. Everybody understands. Everybody understands. And with that understanding, you can cry out. When the gospel was preached, thousands in that crowd understood. And they cry out, what shall we do? What shall we do? What shall we do? And then God will revive us. He will restore us. (coughs) Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because he's weeping over Israel. He knew it's finished. Israel, Judah is finished. God won't relent. They are going into captivity. So his weeping has been memorialized in scripture as the book of Lamentations. And look at Lamentations 5 and verse 21. The same words. Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be renewed and renew our days as old. He has to do it. He has to do it. That's why so many of us have tried and given up because you can't. You can't change yourself. Only God can. But we have to cry out for that. 
Lord, would you give me the gift of repentance? Would you change me, Lord? Would you please change me, Lord? Would you please change me, Lord? Like I said yesterday, last week, in God's kingdom, in this spiritual world, there is no gear called neutral. There is only forward or only reverse. If you are not going forward, you are going reverse. You are going back. So we cannot afford to go back. Cannot afford to go back. So we have to keep moving forward. And to keep moving forward, we have to cry out to Lord. Lord, would you restore me? Would you save me? Would you revive me? Would you save me? And we have to keep on moving forward. Otherwise, we go backwards. How far can we go backwards? The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 says, up to perdition. Destruction, we can go backwards. And we see people of God in the Old and the New Testament going backward into perdition. So here is Jeremiah weeping. Now, if we don't repent, that is, we don't change. We don't change. There is only one response. One alternative to repentance. We see that in Luke chapter 13. The people are coming one to five. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. They were thinking Jesus will say, oh, they are martyrs for the kingdom. While they were offering sacrifices, Pilate's soldiers killed them. They thought Jesus would say, wow, they really died in the time of worship. They are martyrs for the kingdom. You know what Jesus said? Jesus answered and said to them, do you suppose that these Galileans are worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? Verse 3, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? Verse 5, I tell you, no. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. There are only two alternatives. Either you repent or you perish. There's no third alternative. There's no third alternative in the kingdom. If I don't repent, I will perish. I will perish. We saw Esau perished. God said, I hate Esau. Why did God hate Esau? Because he refused to repent. And by the time he was ready to repent, it was too late. So you will see in the kingdom of God, alternatives are only one. Repent or perish. Gather or scatter. Confess or deny. Love or Hate. So strong words. Follow Baal or follow? <laughs> this, no, I will not follow Baal. I will not. God says there is no third alternative. If you are not following me, you are following Baal. If you are not gathering with me, you are scattering. If you don't love me, you hate me. Seek the Lord when he may be found. Isaiah 55 verses 1 to 3. <clears throat> oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. It's interesting, no? You don't have money, but you have to buy. How do I buy? You will have to give up. You will have to give up certain things in your life to receive from God. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money on what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. 
and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Why do you imagine? What do you spend money on? Think about it. What do you spend money on? The amount of money. If you have to spend money, you have to spend time with it. Even if it is online shopping. God says, Is it bread? Did it satisfy your soul? Let me ask you this question. What is that you bought in your life that has satisfied your soul? If it satisfies your soul, the satisfaction continues till today. What is that you have bought that has satisfied your soul? Listen to me. Carefully. He says, come and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Know what he told Israel? He gave them what they asked. And he sent leanness into their souls. On the other hand, if they had left, satisfy themselves in the Lord, the story of the first generation would have been different. Instead, they just wandered and wandered and wandered and died. Story of Israel, sometimes a church too. Incline your ears, is what the Bible says. Listen carefully. Come to me. Hear and your soul shall love. You want your soul to love? You need to hear. Just sitting in church does not mean you hear. Does not mean you hear. If you are sitting in church and we are hearing every time, you know what? We would be alive in our soul. Our inner man would be completely different. We are alive in our body. We are alive in our flesh. But we are not alive in our soul. Alive in our soul. Being alive in our soul is a different thing. You see, when God created everything else, He created them by the word of His mouth. But he created man differently. Only man. What he did, he made man out of earth. He formed him. And the Bible says, he breathed into man and he became a living soul. Every culture has gone through this struggle. You know, Plato, when he painted the picture of Plato, Aristotle, when he painted the picture of his soul, he painted the picture of his soul in a chariot drawn by two horses, one pulling him up and one pulling him down. What is Mahabharata? Mahabharata is the story of a sage who is saying the battle in the heart, the soul of a man, pulling him up and pulling him down. You know why? Because when God breathed into us, we became a living soul, but we were born of the earth. Made of the earth, breathed into man his spirit, and we became a living soul. And when man fell, there is this power that is pulling him down, and there is this cry that wants to go up. And the answer is his spirit again. Unless his spirit is breathed into us, we will never go up. We will be pulled down. Every religion understands this dichotomy. There is this pull towards which animal seeks religion? Which animal seeks God? Only man. Only man 
You know, the Bible says very clearly in Genesis 2, when God breathed into Adam, he became a living soul. The first Adam became a living soul. But when Jesus came, the Bible says he became a life-giving spirit. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. We became a living soul, pulled up and down after the fall. But when Jesus comes, you know what? He became a life-giving spirit. The third part of us became alive. You know, in most, most languages until the Bible came, they did not know the distinction between a soul and the spirit. It's always the same word. But the Bible is the one which makes God is a tripart, man is a three-part being, just like God, in God's image. He has a body, he has a soul, and he has a spirit. And the spirit comes alive only when the spirit of God comes alive in us. No? Pran, 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 pran. Pran, atma, pran, atma is interchangeably used. But it cannot be interchangeably used. Soul is one thing, and spirit is one thing. And if you look at soul or Psyche in Greek. All sciences are connected with the psyche. Psychiatry. Psychic. Everything, even the demonic is connected to your soul. The psychics. The spirit only God. Spirit only God. And that's what the Bible is talking about. The Bible talks about our reality. Unless the life-giving spirit comes into us, we will be like Paul would cry out in Romans 7, Wretched man! Wretched man! Who will save from me? There is this pull for me to obey God. And there is this pull that pulls me down. Wretched man! Who will save me? And then he says, Thanks be unto God through Christ Jesus, the Lord Christ Jesus. Why? He is the life-giving spirit. It is the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, that comes and births us. The Bible says, you know what? For that, incline your ear, come to me, and here your soul shall live again. That's why Jesus said, straight away he told his own disciples, my words are, spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. And it's an indictment if we are not able to hear the word of God. We are telling, sitting in church, I am flesh. And the word profits me. Nothing. And that should make us cry. Lord, I am understanding nothing. I don't even have a desire to listen. But pastor said in the morning, cry out. He is the only one who can save. The symptom is there. How do you diagnose a disease? By the symptoms. How do you diagnose something that my soul is dead? There is no desire for God at all. How? Because you are not able to incline. You are not able to hear. It is not that you have a problem with your hearing. You are able to hear everything else. You are able to pay attention to all the things of the world. But when it comes to the word of God, it's a block. You know what you need to do? You need to like the psalmist cry out, Oh Lord, you have to turn me. I cannot turn myself. You have to turn me. I am helpless. That is the cry of man. That's the cry of salvation. And it doesn't matter which part of the world you are in, what culture you come, what religion. When a man or a woman cries out like that, God intervenes. God intervenes. He will intervene. And it doesn't matter how, how, in what depths you have gone, like Jonah, the bottom of the sea, in the belly of fish. From there, he says, he said, those who pursue worthless idols forsake their own mercy. And from there, I cried out, and God heard him. And what did God tell? He spoke to the fish, spit him out. So it doesn't matter how deep you have fallen and gone. When you cry out, God hears. 
hears. But you will not know your need unless you hear the word. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Who is that? Jesus, the son of David. Incline your ear. Listen carefully. That's Isaiah 55. Remember we were looking at. And verse 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. The unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. He will have mercy on him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. That is repentance. And then verse 8 to 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth. Old Testament, if you miss up. New Testament, we know. Even we don't know. Last week they found another galaxy. How many billion miles it is, we don't know. And God says, as heavens higher than the earth. So let me ask. You believe this is true. His ways, his thoughts are that high from ours. Do I need to change? Keep on changing to bridge the gap. At least little. Forget billion miles. At least one mile. Because I want to walk with him. How can you how can you walk with a person whose thoughts and minds are a billion light years away? How can I walk? It's only one way. He draws near me. He draws near me. There's only one way I can walk with him. Let us use that number. One billion light years away. He draws near. You know what he says? God who lives, inhabits the heavens, also comes, resides in the heart of one who is contrite, a humble heart. And second, he comes close to the one who trembles at his word. That's why be very careful how you hear the word. Because in your heart there is a strength stirring and you're trembling. He draws near. That's what the Bible says. The Spirit of God is always looking at the hearts of people. How they are responding to the word of God. That is his son. The word of God is God's son. That is Jesus. The personal word of God. How we respond to the word of God. And if our response... That God looks for is there. He draws near and he starts restoring us. He starts reviving us. He starts healing us. This is not an academic exercise. This is a spiritual exercise. We draw. Yes, the intellect is involved. But intellect alone won't work. It is spiritual. That's why Jesus said, my word. That's why the Pharisees couldn't understand. Though they knew the word by heart. Because they were trying to intellectually all the time access God. And God says, you cannot. It's not possible. So word says, so as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. And verse 10, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. You are right now eaters. I am the sower. Both have been given. I was given the word in the morning. You are being given the word now. If the sower is not given the same word by God, he has nothing to sow. He has nothing to sow. And if I have nothing to sow, you have nothing to eat. But where does it come from? The Bible says, as rain comes down, it has to come down from heaven. If the word of God does not originate in heaven, it is not the word of God. It is the word of man. 
It is the word of man. How does it come? It comes down like rain. It comes down like snow. And do not return there. But water the earth. Turn to Deuteronomy. We'll come to verse 11 after that. I want verse 11 after that. Deuteronomy 32. Again, Moses is talking about the same thing. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. O hear, O earth, words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain. It comes from above. Moses is speaking, but this is not Moses' words. If this is Moses' words, it won't become scripture. It comes from above teaching. My speech distilled has the dew and the raindrops on the tender herb and showers on grass. The word of God has dew, has raindrops, has rain, has snow. Did you see that? What is the first thing? Early in the morning, if you wake up and you go at almost any season of the year, you go look on the plants. What do you see? The dew drops. If you wake up early in the morning and go to your God, his word will fall upon you like refreshing dew drops. It will fall upon you. That's what the Bible, the psalmist says, early in the morning I will rise. The Bible says when it was yet dark, Jesus arose and went to a secluded place. Why? Because he would know his father's words would fall upon his spirit like dew. Nobody runs away from dew drops. It's comforting. It's refreshing. Refreshing. Dew drops. It comes down like rain. Sometimes dewdrops is not enough. We need our hearts to be watered. It comes down like rain. It comes down like showers. Sometimes, if you go back to Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, uh, Isaiah 10, it comes down like snow. 10, 10. It comes down like snow. You know about snow? It is hard. It lies for a long season. And then... When the sun comes out, it starts melting and watering the earth. You know, sometimes the word of God lies hard over your soul. It seems to do nothing. When the time will come, when the sun of affliction will rise over you, trials and testing will come over you, and the snow will start melting, the word will start making sense. But whether it is due... Where is the raindrops? Where is the shower? Whether it is snow? What is our response? Incline your ear and hear. Hear. Meditate upon the word. You do not know when it will come to use for you. Because the word of God is life. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goes for my mouth. It shall not return to me void. Be very sure. The word of God never goes empty. It will not go void. It will always accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. Understand the nature of God's word. It will not fail. It will not fail. The word of God will not fail. It always achieves the purpose. One or the two. Either it will bless you or it will bring death. It's either life or death. It either free you or condemn you. It, it, it is not without effect. One of the two will always happen. That's what it says. It never comes back. Oh Lord, oh Father, I couldn't do anybody with him. It doesn't say that. It either saves you or condemns you. The same word. Okay. 
And our prayer is that, Lord, let your word always save me. So when the word of God comes, the question is, what is our attitude? The key. The key is the word. Without the word, the father doesn't work. Without the word, the spirit doesn't work. They both wait for the word. The spirit won't move unless the word comes. And the father hasn't done a thing without speaking the word. Without the word. So our response to the word matters. In John chapter 10 and verse 35, Jesus makes a statement. It's a very powerful statement. If he called them gods, leave it alone. To whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken. He used two terms to talk about Bible, this book. One, he calls it the word of God, meaning it did not proceed from man. It didn't originate. With it. Men may have spoken it, but it did not originate with man. It is the word of God. What is this? The word of God. And he called it scripture. What is scripture? God has spoken. Everything God has spoken has not been written. The Bible says that. It has not been written. The end of John says everything Jesus said and did could be returned. We wouldn't have enough books. So everything God has spoken in history, human history, has not been written. But whatever God has spoken is the word of God. The what God has spoken, what has been written is scripture. That is what we have. So there is the word of God that God has spoken. And then there is the word of God that is written, that is scripture. So what do we all have? We have scripture. And then God speaks to us. But we have scripture. What is common about all of us is that we have scripture. And Jesus makes a statement. Scripture cannot be broken. Cannot be broken. Cannot be broken. What the devil does, whatever he may try to do, Whatever you may sow, whoever nations, dispensations, tries to oppose the word of God, Jesus makes a statement. Scripture cannot be broken. If scripture, that's what Jesus is saying. The word of God will not go void. I am not broken by the word of God. The word of God will break me. Ultimately. It cannot be broken. So when it says the word of God, the personal word of God, the spoken personal word of God is Jesus. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So Jesus is called the word of God. And verse 1.14 says, he became flesh, and the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we behold the glory. The question is, who beheld his glory? Only those who had spiritual eyes could under. Otherwise, he had no beauty to draw us to him. He looked like any ordinary Jew. When they came in the night, Judas had to kiss him to identify this is Jesus. There was nothing special about him outwardly. But those whose spiritual eyes were open, they saw his glory. The glory of God's word. That's the thing, you know. Whatever has glory, we choose it. We use it. Simple example, pick a small baby, one of our little ones, Atira or any one of them, Evangeline Atira. Give them a pink balloon and a 500 rupee, it's no 500 rupee note, no? Is there? Yeah, okay. A 500 rupee note, what do you think they will go for? The balloon. That's what they see glory. You know why don't we see this? Because we don't see glory in this. 
There's no problem with the word. The problem is with me. If I am not attracted to the word of God, it's because my eyes are blinded. I am not able to see glory. In him, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Because whatever has glory, people perceive it. How do you perceive a career? Because you see glory. When you boys buy a bike, if they have the money, what will you buy? Because you see glory. When you go shopping for your clothes, what do you buy? Because you? Otherwise, shopping would be a five-minute exercise, right? Not a five-hour exercise. Where the salesman is practically falling off exhaustion after unraveling the entire shop. And you go by saying, I didn't like anything. Poor fellow is muttering curses under his breath. And you think he's blessing you. Why? Because you see glory. Why do everybody want to learn musical instruments? You want to worship God? Nonsense. You want looking, seeking for glory. <laughs> glory. Glory. If you really want to worship God, then when you learn an instrument, you make a covenant with God saying that I will never use my voice or this instrument other than to magnify you. Never in the secular field. And if I ever call to play in the secular field, I will sing about you. Then you know your attitude is right. Everything that we seek in human life is got to do with glory. But you know where real glory is? In him. In his word. In this, the personal word of God, Jesus, and the written scripture is hidden. The glory of God. Did we behold it? Did we see it? Are we attracted to it? What does it mean? Spiritually blind. When he comes back, He's called the word of God. When he comes back in Revelation 19 and verse 13, he's still called the word of God. Right? He comes on the horse. He's got a name which no one names. And his name is? So when he came the first time to save, he was the word of God. When he comes the second time to judge, he's the word of God. So here is the word of God. Either it saves you or it condemns you. The nature of the word of God never changes. He either saves you or he judges you. Never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what Isaiah 55 verse 11 says. It will always achieve its purpose. It will not go void. It will either save or it will judge. It is never neutral. So Jesus told the crowd and his disciples, the words that you have heard will judge you on that day. I won't judge I don't have to judge. I don't have to judge. You know, we have, uh, we have uh, these processes in higher education where self-test. When we'll all stand before Jesus' seed for our judgment seed, we think, you know, books will be opened and all. These are all euphemisms. I believe, you know what, we will immediately know our rank. Because the word we have heard has already judged. If nothing is hidden in the spiritual realm, what we done, what we heard, and what we did after what we heard, everything is visible. We evaluated ourselves, ranked ourselves, and walked away with or without rewards. Because the word that we heard, that's why the Bible says the spiritual man judges all things, but he himself is not. The spiritual man is wise. He understands this is how judgment takes. This is the book 
and the spirit has been given so I can live my life in judgment. On that day, there is nothing to judge. Everything has been under the blood, repented, renounced, walking clear. So the word of God will never go void. It will achieve the purpose for which it has been sent. So the Bible is God's written word. It's called scripture. And Jesus is God's personal word. You know what Jesus says? Scripture cannot be broken. Let me tell you something. This absolute total agreement between the personal word of God, Jesus, and the written word of God, there is no disagreement. Absolute agreement. In Matthew chapter 5, 17 and 18, that is what he said. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. The law and the prophet is how the Jews call the Old Testament. He says, I have not come to destroy the Old Testament. I did not come to destroy it, but to fulfill. He says, what do you think about it? He says, you know this, me and this, absolute agreement. No disagreement at all. I haven't come to destroy it. I've come to fulfill it. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot, nor one tittle, not one comma or one matra, nothing will change. That's what it means in, in Hebrew. The title is a matra. No means will pass from the law till all is fulfilled. What is he saying? Scripture cannot be broken. I didn't come to break scripture. I came to fulfill it. Cannot be broken. It will come to pass. It's either comforting or it is terrifying. When you're walking in disobedience, you read scripture, the scripture reads you, it is terrifying. You look at Indian penal court, you know, after they are Nirbhaya, I think that's a, a young girl who was, you know, they changed the sentencing for rapists, you know, they made it death penalty and all. You know? So imagine a young man does something like that, he's arrested. He knows the law. He knows what it is. He knows what his conviction will be. He knows what his conviction will be. In the same way, when we sin, we read the word, we know what the conviction is. We know what the conviction is. Because scripture cannot be broken. And we know there is only one way out. Change. Believe in Jesus. Plead for mercy. Revive me. Restore me. Every time it is. Why? The wages of sin is death. Always. Penalty hasn't changed. Penalty has been taken by somebody, but it hasn't changed. Yes. So what is Jesus saying? Now we'll make a statement. Listen. You and I cannot claim to be rightly related to Jesus and be wrongly related to the Bible. You and I cannot say, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe the Bible. For Jesus is the word of God, and scripture cannot be broken. And everyone who has tried to break scripture has ultimately been broken by scripture. Nations, forget nations, entire civilizations have vanished, just disappeared. You know why? Because they ignored Scripture. Look at how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 1. Beautifully. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without Man is a rational being. He's got a soul. He's without excuse. He says, you look around. You look around. It's scripture. Take a look around. It's speaking to you. And you are without excuse. And what happens? What does God do? How does judgment happen when we ignore the message of God? Verse 25. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. What is the first sign of judgment? You start worshipping the creature and not the creator. What is the sign of judgment? Because scripture cannot be broken. Now we will think about Hindus. We are not talking about Hindus. We are talking about Christians. Luke 4 and verse 8. Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God. Him only you can, you shall serve. Let me ask you this question. What you worship, you serve. What you serve, you worship. What do you worship? There is creator. Then there is everything God has created. Sports is a creation. Movies is a creation. Fashion is a creation. Entertainment is a creation. Work is a creation. Think about life. Everything that we actually partake of is part of creation. We worship the creature and not the creator. People worship sports. People worship movie and movie stars. People worship entertainment. People say work is worship. No. Worship is work, but work is not worship. Because whatever you worship, ultimately you will serve. And it can be even an idea which is absolutely contrary to scripture. The sign of judgment. That we are not able to worship God. Why, why did God create man? So that we would worship him. And what is happens when we don't worship him? He hands us over so that we start... See, like Pastor Vijay, we keep saying, it is impossible for man not to worship. Animals don't have that problem. Have you ever seen an animal on his knees? Unless we broke its legs. No. You never see an animal pursuing anything. Even the lion... When he is full, everybody can walk around him. He's not bothered unless you irritate him. He leaves you alone. He kills only to eat. He doesn't, he, he has not this, like men, they have this craziness for hunting. The animal doesn't have it. He only hunts to eat. Do you see this? Have we been handed over? Are we slipping? Are we sliding? Are we worshipping something which is a creation and not the creator? And ultimately, are we serving it? Because that becomes our God. That becomes our idol. In India, of course, we need to study well. We need to get good marks. But we worship education. 
Early in the morning I shall rise to worship my books. And my mother will make coffee and do arti. That is India. Early in the morning. Bible says early in the morning Jesus rose to meet his father. Early in the morning we rise up our children. Study, 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 study. Puja begins. Do we need marks? Yes. Do we need to study hard? Yes. But we don't worship. We don't serve it. We don't serve it. We don't realize what has happened. God hands over. Slowly hands over. And once we know that, I'm in a trap. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. But God has given us his word. The personal word of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1 and 2 says about the person, God who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, that became scripture, has in this last day spoken to us by his son. He not only gave us scripture, he spoke to us by his very son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds. You understand? So he spoke through his son finally. He's given us scripture. And he spoke through his son. And what the son spoke, written, became even more scripture. Then he has spoken in our last days through the apostles. So we have scripture. We have scripture. And scripture cannot be broken. Because we are basically today checking. You want revival. You want restoration. You don't want to end up in hell. Simple, symptomatic check. What's your attitude to the Bible? What you have visible. We are all visible creatures, right? We are visible. We are not all spiritual floating in air. We are all visible material creatures. You have something material with you. This. What's your attitude to you? Because you cannot be rightly connected to Jesus and wrongly connected to the Bible. It's not possible because they are both the same. That's why John begins his gospel by saying in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He is God always. And scripture cannot be broken. And Jesus comes and uses both statements. The word of God and scripture. Combines it both. What is our attitude? Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. Read the first word. All. Not some. When did the church start falling away? When they said scripture was not of God. When they start doubting and questioning scripture. The Bible says all scripture. Not come some scripture, most scripture. All scripture is what? Is given by the inspiration of God. What does it mean? It's God breathed. It is written by the Holy Spirit through men. It is. The question is God is saying. Let me give you this so that I will explain to you in English. Though I am speaking English, I will make it more clear. Do you question the authority of God's word? You know where the word authority comes from? It comes from the word author. Author? Authority. Where does the Bible get his authority from? Because the author is God. That's what it means. You have the word author and you have the word authority. That's why when Jesus came and the the disciples, the Pharisees, all were asking so many questions. He says, you are, because you don't understand scripture. You're asking me, I wrote it. Sometimes I preach a message. People come and say, pastor, you said, I said, you know, you got it wrong. That is not what I meant. Because for what I have spoken, I am the final authority because I spoke it. So you don't understand what I was thinking. You don't understand the context. You don't. So God is saying, I am the authority. 
That's why the Bible says, repeated, the Bible is not for private interpretation. You have to have the Holy Spirit, the author, to tell you what it means. What it means. So all scripture, where does the authority of the word of God comes? Because it was written by the spirit of God. By God's own spirit. First Peter chapter 1, verse 10 and 12. 10 to 12. Of this salvation, what is the Bible talking about? What is the entire story of the Bible? The salvation of man. How God has worked out the salvation of man. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Who is that? That is Jesus. He came full of grace and full of truth would come to you. Verse 11. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. They did not understand but the spirit of Christ was in them. So when Asaf writes Psalm 80 that strengthened the man on your right hand, he's talking about Jesus. He doesn't know but the spirit of Christ in Asaf is writing about Christ to us. So the spirit of God was upon Moses. And when Moses comes, we have the first five books. So we don't doubt the creation story. It is not a story. It is fact. Why? The spirit of God wrote how it all began. Through Mo- Moses was just an instrument. It was just an instrument. And everything in scripture is written by the, the word of, by the spirit of God. And that is where our authority comes. And the word of God says, the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent to heaven. He says, they were not writing for themselves because they themselves did not understand. Everything about Jesus Christ, it, you will see, if, if I'm right, if you go through the scriptures, 18 times in the gospels it is written, when Jesus does something, scripture was fulfilled. He says, do this, so scripture can be fulfilled. Because scripture cannot be broken. Scripture cannot be broken. So he will fulfill scripture, fulfill scripture, fulfill scripture. He has to fulfill scripture. And it doesn't matter whether it's a major prophet like Isaiah or a minor prophet like Micah. Whatever they have said about him has to be fulfilled. Why? Because scripture cannot be broken. Cannot be broken. And the spirit of Christ who was there in all these patriarchs onwards, Moses onwards to everybody was writing to us, speaking to us. Upon whom? The angels. And what are these things? Things which angels desire to look into. They can't understand unless we speak it to them. Do you know that even when I am preaching, if there is a revelation here today, the angels will hear it for the first time through me and they cannot find it on their own because it is the Spirit of God through man who reveals even to the angels. And this we have, the glory of God. And we are not interested. What more can God do? We are not interested. This is what they're saying. We beheld your glory. Oh, our fathers had talked of the prophets and the law and everything. And then we saw you in flesh. We saw the word of God in flesh. The glory of the word of God. Glory of the word of God. And we ignore this at our own peril. And we need to repent. Repent means shut off. Turn away and turn to 
You cannot turn to without turning away. When Pastor Vijay preached a few weeks back about the five no's choices Moses had to make. You cannot travel in two roads at the same time. You cannot travel in two boats as I was telling the pastors yesterday. You cannot be in the world and the world at the same time. It is not possible. You have to turn it off. Moses chose when he came of age, I am not the Pharaoh's daughter's son. Then he chose to be mistreated with the Israelites. You cannot say yes to this without saying no to this. You say no to this and then say yes to this. Our problem is we are like the madman. You know my old days, madmen to be released from an asylum. They gave them a broom, sent to the bathroom, left the tap open and said sweep. And if he's not come to his senses, whole day he's sweeping until he's tired. Why? He didn't shut the tap off. How do you know he's come to his senses? He shuts the tap off. He sweeps and the right is discharged. Go home. You know what? God said, lunatics are sitting in my houses around the world on a Sunday. The morning onward, the world was open. And then now, they are trying to receive the word. God says, nothing is going to happen. You sit before YouTube, you sit before movies, you sit before Facebook, and then do your devotions. Who are you devoted to? You already showed me your devotion. I already saw your devotion. You are devoted to Netflix. You are devoted to Facebook. Your face was never in this book. And you expect me to speak to you? I want to speak to you. But even if I were to shout, you will not hear. We have to learn to shut these things off. Only basic necessities. What is needed? Tell me one thing that is not of the word of God. You watched on TV or read in the newspaper that edified you. Tell me one thing. Oh, I feel so good coming to church because in Deccan Chronicles headlines I read this. Did you? I'm not saying you shouldn't read news. But people are devoted. I was once. I told you even the uh, government uh, advertisements I never missed. That's how I... And if I didn't understand that, I checked. Those days, internet was... What is EMD? Earnest Money Deposit. What is that for? If you want a government contract, it is there on the newspaper. The contract is for 50 crores. You have to give 50,000 as a deposit. I said, what is EMD? What difference did it make it in my life? Nothing. Waste of time. Isn't it true? Most of the things, knowledge we have acquired is away. And we spout it. Child, come here. Tell capital of this, capital of that, capital of that. We pride our child. Do you know the names of the books in the Bible? Do you know at least the names of five apostles? Forget twelve. No. You're glorying in the world. Jesus says, if anybody wants to glory, let him glory that he knows me. Through the Holy Spirit is what Peter says. Through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. And through the Holy Spirit, okay, to you by the Holy. He is the revelator. The Father reveals the written word through the Holy Spirit. And the Son, when He speaks, look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. The Father and the Son doesn't do anything without the Spirit. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach 
until the day in which he was taken up after he through the holy spirit had given commandments to them so whether it is a written word or whether it is a spoken word it is through the spirit of god he is the author so when you and i question scripture who do we question the spirit of god the fall of the church began over a hundred years ago when higher criticism and all that junk came and German theology and started questioning scripture, the authority of scripture. Now look at the point the western world has reached. Every abomination which a pagan world won't legalize, they have legalized. You know how it began? Because they simply questioned the authority of God's word. One simple step led to what? Infanticide, abortion of millions and millions of babies, legalizing of homosexuality, you name any abortion, drugs to be sold, legalized, you name it all, everything. You know where it all began? It began because a few theologians came together and questioned the authority of scripture. And the fall of man began. What the Bible says, he gave them over. Worship the creation. You want that? Have it. He gave them over. You read Romans 1. Gave them over. Gave them over. Gave them over. Gave them over. And we are in the last stages of giving them over. The world. Unless God steps in and gives us some time because of his mercy. He has given over. Given over. Given over. But Telangana is going to celebrate if I am right the first gay marriage. (laughs) If it hadn't happened there, it wouldn't have happened here. Because the church is the city on the hill. Any abomination, first the church sanctions, then the world takes over. Now the church has gone so far away, the world doesn't even care about the church because the church has lost its voice. Lost its voice. Please understand. When we deal with scripture, we are dealing with God's authority face to face. In Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this. Why do nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and the anointed one. Every when these wicked people get together, they're called intellectuals, of course, they get together and make these decisions. It is all... Okay, we had this climate change huge conference in Britain. If all the leaders who sat were spirit-filled, holy men and women of God, that resolution would not be passed. Because they already would have known from Peter and Revelation, the end of this earth, there is no saving this planet. It's done deal. It's judged already. It's going to be burned up. You can do whatever you want. There is no hope for this planet. It's finished. It is done. You want to save this planet? There is only one way you can save this planet. The message of repentance. Control the emission of sins, not gas. That's original, okay. God says, that's what? It didn't matter how wicked a man was like Manasseh. When he repented, judgment stopped. The minute the gospel goes across the world and people start repenting and repenting and repenting, climate will change. Automatically climate will change. You know why? Because people will become good stewards of God's property. Good stewards of God's property. There will be no waste. There will be no excess. 
There will be nothing of the stuff that is happening. And the problem is, governments can't do that. This is the job of the church. But what is the church doing? What did the Pope do? Preaching climate change. What the Lutheran church do? Sang a hymn for climate change. What? Nonsense. Hymn for climate change? No hymn for change of a man's heart? Think about it. Where have we gone? They are all getting together against whom? God's son. Agenda. So please understand how it works. How the kingdom of God works. Turn me with me about the word. John chapter 14 and verse 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. Like I said, remember, from John chapter 30, you don't have to go there, 13, 21, 31. That's where Judas leaves the company of disciples. From the time Judas leaves, next words Jesus said, thank you, Father, now I am glorified because this fellow has to go. Then only Christ can be glorified. When error goes out of our doctrine, Christ is glorified. When the world goes out of my mind, Christ is glorified. When that would betray Christ, leaves my heart and only loyalty remains, Christ is glorified. You cannot, Christ cannot be glorified with the disciples and Judas together. Understand spiritual ramifications. As soon as Judas leaves, the Bible says, Jesus stood up and he said, thank you, Father, now I am glorified. And from there onwards, meditate till the end of chapter 17, 13, 31 to chapter end. It is in-depth teaching of Jesus Christ reserved only for those who were loyal to him till the end. The leaven receive a teaching which is precious. Precious. John 13, 31 to uh, John 17, 26 that chapters you read, meditate upon it. And in the middle of it, Jesus is saying, when, yeah, that's when he had gone. Now the Son of Man is glorified and God. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. He makes a clear distinction. He says, I'm going. I'll go. Little later, I will go. And after I go, the world will not see me again. But you will see me. That's why I preached yesterday. Do you have an encounter with the living God? Because if you don't have an encounter with the living God, you are part of the world who cannot see him. You cannot see him. I'm not seeing with this eyes. I'm seeing about spiritually experiencing the spirit of Christ. This is not an intellectual thing. Intellect comes later. But there is a spiritual thing first. Something happens. You have an encounter with the spirit of Christ, which brings salvation. Who brings salvation? Jesus makes a very clear distinction first there. What is that? The world will not see me. You will see me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at the authority of scripture in what Jesus says. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now look at verse 3 onwards. For I delivered to you first of all, which I also received. Meaning you cannot give anything of God unless you receive it first. It has to come from him. So Paul says, what I gave it to you, it's not mine. I received it from him. That Christ died for our sins according to 
Scripture cannot be broken. If he has to die, he has to die exactly according to Scripture. That's what I said. His birth has to be according to Scripture of a virgin. His birth has to be according to the lineage of David, according to Scripture. He has to be born in Bethlehem and no other place. And God will change the entire world is on a movement. The entire Roman Empire is on a movement. Because Augustus sends a decree, census for what? So Jesus could be born in Bethlehem. Millions and millions of people are moving in the entire empire of Rome. Why? So that scripture cannot be broken. My son will be born in Bethlehem and not anywhere else. Because scripture cannot be broken. Oh Lord, aren't you worried all these people? No. Scripture cannot be broken. He will be born in Bethlehem. You need to understand the authority of scriptures. And that he was buried and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So Jesus did not die on a good Friday. Then scripture is broken. For the evening and the morning is the first day. The evening and the morning is the second day. The evening and the morning is the third day. So if you die, rose again on resurrection Sunday morning or early Saturday night, then was he there three days and three nights? Because scripture cannot be broken. When people ask, why don't you celebrate Good Friday? Because we will not break scripture. Because scripture takes precedence and far above the traditions of men. It is said to them, you have made the word of God of no effect because of your traditions. Did Jesus die? Yes. Did he die on a good Friday? No. Because scripture cannot be broken. Cannot be broken. I would rather die on the side of scripture than die on the wrong side of scripture. Understand? Scripture cannot be broken. Because it is the word of God, the author is the Holy Spirit, it has the authority of heaven behind it. And then he says, he rose again the third day and he was seen, yeah, let's go to that. He was seen by Cephas, that's Peter. He was seen by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. So Paul is giving a record. We have other records. And you will see after he rose again, he did not appear to a single person who did not believe. You will not see me again. The Bible does not record that Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his mother or to his brothers because they did not believe. They were found on the day of Pentecost sitting over there because they must have believed by the testimony of the disciples. The Bible doesn't say. Because he will not break scripture. I love my mother, but she did not believe salvation comes through me. So I cannot appear before her. Why? Because scripture cannot be broken. So if he won't break it for his own family, you think he'll break it for you and me? He will not break scripture. That's why I said stand on this. Believe on this. Because in this, the glory of God is revealed. Where does the Bible say? Otherwise, we would be so no, romantic and say, you know, Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to his mother first. And then he testified to his brothers. Come on, you guys struggle so much. Believe in me. He said, no. What did he tell Mary Magdalene? Go and tell the brethren. Tell them, I have risen. And then evening, he appeared before them. There are no sentiments with scripture. Love God with all your heart, with all your might, all your strength, with all your soul. You cannot have two desires, two attitudes. You know why? Because that's scripture. You put God first and over everything else. Understand how scripture works. You will live or die by this. You ignore this, you ignore it at your own peril. At your own peril. That's what the Bible says over there. 
So going back to John chapter 14 and verse 22. Oh, Jesus is talking about that. And then Judas, not Iscariot, the other Judas, because Iscariot is already gone, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Not understand. Lord, how is it possible? Like if I have some friends of my, my secular friends with me, how will you manifest to us and not to them? Basically, how is it possible? How is it possible for you? Because we have with you for three and a half years. We saw you, others also saw you. But now you are saying, after this, we will see you, but others won't see me. How is that possible? Listen to Jesus. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, how will he manifest? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. First condition is that true disciples keep the word. You want God to manifest to you? He says, my disciples keep the word. First thing, they keep the word. The question is, God is saying, how do you relate to the word? Not read. Keep. Not read. Keep. When non-Christians read the Bible. I, I hear, I heard about Dirk Prince's testimony. He said, you know what, I was a logician and a, a philosopher. So when he was going into the army, he decided, you know what, I can't carry all these books. So let me take the Bible with me. Because I'm a philosopher, I'm a logician, let me read it. And he said, you know what, and I kept on reading it, and he kept on reading it. The only reason I did not keep the book down because I was determined to finish the book. But he said, you know what? As I was reading the book, it was doing things to me. He said, you can't be neutral with this book. The book was reading me. The book was reading me. People don't read the Bible because the Bible reads you back. It reads you back. That's why they don't read the Bible. That's why they like Psalm 23, Psalm 121, and the vanity mirror. Not the full mirror. In the full mirror of God, you see a real image. The vanity of your vanity is in. Keep 23 over there. True disciples keep the word. He will keep my word. First thing God is saying that you will keep my word. You keep my word, I will manifest myself to you. Second thing. Keeping the word of God is the proof that you love God. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. How do you know? We know God loves us. How do you know you love God? It's like a father with many children. You know you love your children. How do you know? Your children love you. Oh, I love all my children. But that one called Joseph, no. He listens. He listens. The other ten, oh, I love them all. They are all my children. But, you know, there's eleventh one called Joseph. He listens. Keeping God's word is the proof that you love God. So what motivates 
Love is the motivation in the new covenant. Motivation is love. Because everything God does is motivated by love. As believers, we are not motivated by fear. By fear of God, we do not sin. But we obey Him and we serve Him because we are motivated by love. Because you look at the cross, we understand He loved us first. He loved us first. Okay, He loved us first. So whatever happens in life, we are not upset. We love Him. This is one of the things which I sometimes tell Siri. Siri has got a little temper. Sometimes I said, no, you don't need to get upset. We are not the problem. (laughs) You are not like this because of us. Because somebody abandoned you. We are taking care of you. We are loving you. We are instructing you. We are disciplining you. Your anger is misdirected. We are in a mess, not because of God. Because of the devil and because of ourselves. God is saving us. God is restoring us. Be grateful. Because God being God, like I told you, three times I've already told you in three different meetings. It was a revelation at the question and answer time. David says in the psalm, I was conceived in sin, shaped in iniquity. How was I conceived in my mother's womb? In? What did the law say? Condemned. I did not have to be born. I didn't have to utter one word. I did not have to do one thing. The minute I was conceived in my mother's womb, I am a sinner judged by the law to eternal hell. And God saved me. If I am born out of the womb, you know why? It is the mercy of God. If I grow up further, it is the mercy of God. When I came of knowledge, every time I sinned, I did not die. The mercy of God. Every word I spoke, it was to be not to be spoken. Every thought, every deed, it's the mercy of God. And you understand that. You say, Lord, not only didn't you kill me, you killed your son so that I could love. How can you not love me? How can I not love you? That's what God is saying. After the cross, leave them alone. If that doesn't prove, change them. Nothing will. That's when the new covenant, the motivation is love. And if you are not motivated by the cross, no message will change you. Nothing. The message of the cross. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, it is the power of God. You look at the cross, you say, you know what? I love you. My dad wouldn't have done for me. My mother wouldn't have done for me. They would have sacrificed for me, but not this way. Yes, somebody would be willing to die for a righteous man, but who would be willing to live a righteous life for a sinner? From birth till end, fighting sin every day, not for your own sake, for the sake of somebody else. And then being an offering on the cross. Mocked, ripped, all for whom? For my sake. So you don't love me? Because if you love me, you will keep my word. Keep my word. Going back to that. Third thing. And my father will love him. Keeping the word is what causes the father to love us. God loves the whole world in the sense of redemptive love. But those who keep his word, his love for them is different. It is not the same. The love God has for those who keep his word and for those who are unsaved and those who don't keep, it's not the same. Keep his word. 
God loved David differently from all the other kings of Israel. Every time there is a king comparison with David. Nobody was like David. Why? Because David was a man after my own heart. I know he will do all my will. That boy loved me. He always loved me. And God loves those who keep his word. Who keep his word. Fourth one, and we will come to him. He says, if you love me, you keep my word. Remember that we are, we are putting across the word of God. You love me, you keep my word, we will come to you. It's not I will come to you, we will come to you. When he said we will come to you, we experience the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. He gives us his spirit. We will come to you. Seeing what God does. It's a spiritual experience. But that is the way. The way is the way of obedience. If you love me, if you obey my word, obey my word, we will come to you. You know what Acts chapter 5 and verse 32 says? The Holy Spirit whom God has given to us, those who obey him. To whom is the Holy Spirit given? To those who obey Him. Look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. I gave it to you. Though He was a son, who? Jesus. What did He have to learn? He had to learn obedience by the things He suffered. Okay? I told you that illustration. I think it was from Derek Prince. The illustration. A circle. Okay? A circle can only be a circle. It can't be a square. If it is anything other than a circle, it ceases to be a circle. Okay? God is this big circle which encompasses everything. And at every stage of our spiritual growth, God wants us to be a circle. That's what it means to be perfect. When he was one year old, Jesus was a perfect circle. At two, he was a perfect two-year-old circle. At three, he was a perfect three-year-old circle. At four, he was a perfect... That is what you are saying. He is becoming Perfect. Look at the word. Having been perfected. What? By the time he steps out at 33, the fullness of God dwells in him. How does the fullness of God delve in him? Because through his obedience, he has been perfected. His obedience is perfect. And the Philippians talks, even unto death, death on the cross. Perfect obedience. What does God do? John 3, 34. To those who obey, the Holy Spirit is given. John 3, 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. Meaning when it came to Jesus, God gave the full measure of the Holy Spirit because his obedience was perfect. He gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey. Obey what? The word of God. You love him? You will keep my word. You keep my word, I'll give you more of my spirit. The more you obey, the more your spirit. When he came to Jesus, he was filled without measure because he was perfected in his obedience. That is how God manifests. We are not talking about spiritual experiences. Spiritual experience can be here and there, one and in between. That is irrelevant in the long run. In the long run is that, do you have the spirit fullness of the Holy Spirit? 
Is he there with you all the time? Is his presence in you increasing and not decreasing? Because he's willing to give the spirit without measure. And that's how Jesus walked. That's what God is talking about. We will come. If you love me, you'll keep my word. If you keep my word, what will happen? We will come and we will dwell with you. In John 1 and verse 32, the Bible says about Jesus' baptism, which is different from all our baptisms. What is that? John bore the witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained. You look in the Old Testament, how many of them did the spirit remain? In and off, on and off, on and off, on and off, on and off. If Jesus absolutely remains with him, why? His obedience is perfect. Remained with him, never left. Remained with him. And verse 5. Not verse 5, uh, not verse, same one. We go back to John 23. That verse 23. And make our home with him. We will come. We will come, visit, have a supper and go. No, we will make our home with him. How does, how will you manifest? How will you manifest? Jesus said first, proof of disciples is you keep my word. Proof of your love is that you keep my word. If you love me, he who keeps the word, the father loves him. Not only that, we will come. Not only we will come, we will abide, stay with you. The question is, can God stay with us? Stay with us, abide with us. God says, you can, I can, if you obey my word. If you obey my word, I can. As you grow in stages, whatever stage you are in, whatever word you know, Lord, help me to obey you. I don't want to disobey you. And God says, I will dwell with you. I will stay with you. Think about a home like that. There's only one home in the Bible which is like that. It's just before five days, six days before Jesus dies. He goes to Bethany. And he goes to Martha, Mary, Lazarus' home. You know, it's a beautiful sight. There is Jesus. Lazarus is sitting with him. Mary is serving him. Um, Martha is serving him. Mary is anointing him. And he loved that home. I'm sure he never went through Bethany without stopping in their house. He knew, this house I love. You know why? Because they obeyed the word. They were not offended by the word. Martha is not offended because he said, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things, public rebuke. No issues. Next time you go, she's still serving him. That is why the offense is an important thing. Very important thing. God says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me, my word. You have to give that marks to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. No problem. I'm not offended. You can call me whatever you want. I have no issues with you. I am not leaving you. You call me Satan. You call me names. You No problem. That's your prerogative. But you know what one thing? I am leaving you. So you and I cannot be rightly related to God, to Jesus, if we are wrongly related to the word of God. That's why the devil's tactics are always the same. From the beginning, what did he do? He came and caused us doubt in what God has said. Did God really, did God say? Do you... No, 
how many doubts we have entertained in our minds about the word of god we do something and god says about it we say it won't happen ma matthew chapter 12 he says you shall give an account for every idle careless word and we go out and we are careless in our words again to be believe like birds chirping 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 all about the world 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 did we believe no nothing about the word world 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 we are fighting for the world cup and yet the word of god says yet we do not believe that's what the devil does he does it with adam and eve he does it with everybody he did it with jesus also he got baptized he came up heaven opened the father said this is my son with whom i am well please a little later if you are the son of god well i just heard i am the son of god if you are the son of che are you going to believe that voice are you are prove it then you will know you are the son of god immediately causing doubt in what the father had spoken if he will do it with jesus do you think he will leave us alone that's why i said yesterday every time to the pastors i said your breakthrough is not from understanding the bible your breakthrough is surrendering to the word i don't have to understand i believe i believe every word in it is true and scripture will not be broken for me or anybody that's the key to understanding surrender i surrender before your word help me lord help me i have no doubts about what is written over here if from genesis 11 to revelation 22 21 it is the word of god the author is god i believe i believe then you will understand that's what god told martha at lazarus grave if you believe you will see the glory of god otherwise he will come and twist scripture much of heresies have happened because the scripture is twisted he came and twisted it is written it is written now he is telling jesus it is written he is the good if he can cause doubt he will twist scripture and cause doubt look at peter saying in chapter first uh, peter second peter yeah 319 right i didn't give it oh i'm sorry 319 if i'm right 316 316 Second Peter three sixteen. Also, in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. What does it mean, untaught and unstable? They didn't go to Bible college. Of course, they went to Bible college. All twisted scripture has come from Bible colleges. People who did not receive the teaching from the Spirit of God, they interpreted it themselves according to their intellect. They twisted scriptures. twist to their own destructions a nation after nation in europe canada all have fallen because of the twisted scripture twisted scripture that's what the bible is talking about one of these two will happen either he will doubt or he will come and twist scripture So today we come back to the word. We have communion.
And if we go to the communion portion, in Corinthians chapter 11, which we often read, verse 23, you're going to have communion now. So Pastor Vijay, be ready. For I received from the, what I passed on to, why do we do this? Because it is scripture. And scripture cannot be broken. We are not doing anything outside scripture. We don't do anything outside scripture. What I received from the Lord, I passed on to you. He passed on to the disciples. And when he had an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus taught Paul, he passed on to him the same instructions. The same instruction. So everything we do has to be sanctioned by scripture. If it is not sanctioned by scripture, take a step back. Either we don't know scripture or it is not in scripture. Lord, I will wait until I know. Because whenever you do something, you need the backing up of scripture. You know, there are some crooked bosses in government, these things, who will call his assistant and say, do this. The man is scratching his head because what he is being asked to do is not against the rules. No, go do it. I told you, no, sir, but uh, rules may I say, hey, sir. Finally, you know what he said? If he's ethical, he said, sir, can you give it in writing? Can you give it to me in writing? Then you know what? You go. He will call another one. That's what I said. Whenever you do something, it is written. And I have always said about this one thing because of different people who come. It is yesterday I told the two pastors also. The man prays, prophesies in the primarily in the house of God. Told two pastors, don't cover your head because man reflects the glory of God. Don't cover your head. Why? Because it is written. Now you can have different takes on it, but the simple meaning is: women cover your head, men don't cover your head. It's a simple meaning, right? It's very simple. So, go by what is simple to understand. If I was wrong, God is not going to tell you, you sat 15 years in the church with covering your head. Why did you cover? You can say, Father, it was written. I didn't know that is what is meant. You will be excused. But on the other hand, if it means what I said, he will say, it was written. And you didn't obey. But Lord, I am here, yes. But you never received the amount of the spirit I wanted to give you because disobedience kept my spirit from coming. So we always go with scripture. What is written? And the Bible says, this is what is written. So as we go to communion, we go to communion according to scripture. Pastor Vijay, as he comes, we will read that portion so that we do according to scripture. Come, Dr. Richard, come down further. On the same night, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, look at it, he will not break scripture. Who is Jesus? He never breaks scripture. What does the Bible say in Psalm 100 verse 4? Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. So it does not matter what you do, he begins with thanks. He thanks. He broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance. We'll read this again. I'm just showing you scripture. Verse 25, while the elders come. In the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper saying, this cup is new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Meaning when you do this, who do you remember? Jesus, what he did for you on the cross. 
and verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. What do you proclaim? That he died for you. He died only for you. He only died for you and me. That is why, that's what you're proclaiming. You know what? What kind of manner of love is this? You died for me. And you did, I didn't even know you. I didn't even know you. And you died for me. And then next verse. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. How do you drink in a worthy manner? If you love me, you'll keep my word. Now, Lord, we haven't kept your word. So what does the Bible say? Let a man examine himself. This is scripture. What do we do? We examine ourselves. When we examine ourselves, like a flash, the Holy Spirit will bring everything into our mind. Did this, this. No, it's, we can only go for a blanket promise, Lord, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? And the very blood that is shed for us is the one who is still cleansing us. Not only does it save us, it cleanses us. If we confess, he is faithful to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And the blood of Jesus cleanses. You see, it is scripture. Why do we do the things we do? We do it because it is written. And scripture cannot be broken. What does it mean? You cannot partake of this in any other manner other than what is written. If you do, you are breaking scripture. If you do not do it, verse 29 says, if you do not do it, he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, what is he doing? He is eating, he is drinking, but he is bringing. Why? Because he broke scripture. Now scripture breaks him. For this reason, many are weak and sick and many have fallen dead, fallen asleep. So whatever you do, God says, you know what? I said before you, life and death. Don't break scripture. Obey scripture. You do it, it will bring healing for you. It will bring revival for you. It will bring strength for you. On the other hand, you do the same thing, breaking scripture, it will work against you. Against you. Against you. It doesn't bring healing. It brings judgment. Is what I was talking about, about, about on, I don't know which day, on, uh, about Saul. How do you know a spirit of God is leaving a man? He turns for the worse. Once the spirit of God starts leaving Saul, he becomes angry, he starts bitter, he's against everybody, he's against his own son, he's against David, he kills the priest of Nob, finally he kills himself. You know why it all happened? Because the spirit left him. That's all. All for us to go to hell is God to leave us alone. If God leaves us alone, everyone, 10 out of 10, will go to hell. He doesn't have to do anything, just leave us alone. But he doesn't leave us alone. He gives us a way, cleanse yourself, sanctify yourself. Allow my spirit to change. Become more meek, more gentle. That's in the prison, sitting with rough Roman soldiers. Paul says, let your gentleness be known. For the Lord is at hand. We are changing as people. And God has, through scripture, instituted our table. So when we come to the table, go before God and just say. It is not a complicated thing. Just in your heart, in your mind, just say, Lord, I Ask for forgiveness. I have sinned in things which I know and I have sinned in things which I do not know. Things which I did, which I shouldn't have done. Things I should have done, which I did not do. Lord, would you forgive me? 
the blood of your son I heard speaks for me. Would you just forgive me? And you know what? We can come and partake. Now scripture will work for us. So we have the elders. Could you please come? Yes, we have. Yeah. Worship team hasn't gone up yet. Go quickly, quickly. Yes. She can't. Dr. Richard, could you come? Could you keep somebody over there? We have Raj. Can you hand the baby over? Is Appu there? Yeah. Lot of babies are ill, so parents are missing today. Yes, Peter, could you sing, please? One stanza. Give me one stanza. And as Peter sings, shall we prepare? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We come to you, Lord. We repent. We ask for forgiveness for all that we have done. Things we did we shouldn't have done. The things we didn't do that we should have done. We are guilty of both, Lord. You alone know what all we have done. Even we don't have a memory of it, Lord. But we come to you and we plead for mercy. You said come boldly, confidently to the throne room of grace and receive mercy. We are asking for mercy today, Lord. For your word says your mercy endures forever. Your word says because of your mercies, we are not consumed. Even now, in your house, in your presence, we are not consumed because of your mercy. And we cry, Father. The living only can cry for mercy. The dead cannot. The rich man cried for mercy from hell, but it was too late. But we, the living, Stand in your presence, say, Lord, have mercy on us, O Lord, because of your Son. And we believe the blood of Jesus speaks for us a better word. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us and sanctifies us of all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father. We believe. By faith, we receive the forgiveness of God. And we believe as we partake of the body and the blood the emblems of your body and your blood, it will bring healing. It will bring strength. And it will bring an awakening into our inner man, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Please keep it in your hands and we shall partake of it together. Testifying grace tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us. Boldly we approach, not by earthly confidence, only by your blood. Your cross, your cross, testifying grace tells of the Father's heart.
missing the bread, please show your hand. Anybody missing the wine? Yes. In the light of what God has spoken to us today, the Bible says in Romans 11 and verse 22, consider the goodness and the severity of God. Consider the goodness and the severity of God. On those who fell, severity, but towards you, goodness. If, notice that, if you continue in His goodness. If we continue in His goodness, we'll always experience the goodness of God. Why? Because God is good all the time. Everything He does for us is good if we continue in His goodness. And that's to whom the Word of God says, all things work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus. If you love Christ, you keep His Word. It doesn't matter where you are. All things work together for the good of Joseph. You know why? Because he loved God and kept his word in the most difficult circumstances. So everything worked out for his good. So how do I continue in his goodness? The word of God says in Romans 2 and verse 4, how we continue. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Forbearance. Forbearance is an English word which means sympathy and kindness shown to somebody who has done harm to you. And we all have harmed God, marred His glory by our sins. And God shows forbearance. The riches of His goodness, His forbearance and long-suffering. Why? Knowing the goodness of God leads us to repentance. How do how can I continue in the goodness of God? Every time we hear the word of God, read the word of God, when the Spirit shows something, we keep repenting, changing, changing. You know what? We continue in the goodness of God. And we will suddenly see everything is working out for my good. Everything will work out for my good. Everything will. Because that's a promise. What is the promise? Romans 8.28 All things work together for the good of those who if you love God, you keep His scripture cannot be broken it will work out for your good everything, the worst of the things the enemy or flesh does to you will turn around for your good why? what did Jesus say? scripture cannot be broken that's why we stand by faith, what do you mean stand by faith? why can you stand by faith? because scripture cannot be broken Faith comes from and hearing from the word of God. The word of God cannot be broken. You can bet your life on it. It cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. Amen? Shall we stand? Father, this morning we just come to you. We just thank you, Father.
that we have this rock on which we stand. And like that wise man, we want to dig deep and deep and deep and all the dirt be thrown out through repentance until we hit the bedrock of master. And we want to build our lives on your word. The rock that cannot be shaken. The rock that cannot be moved. Let the rains come. Let the floods rise. Let the winds blow. Oh, Father, it's just test to see on what we have built our lives. For we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Lord. And I pray starting today, Lord, all of us, all of us would give glory, would magnify your word. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Teach us, O Lord. Even those among us who dedicate ourselves to the word will dedicate even more to the word of God, O Master. We will not withdraw. We will pursue your word. Literally as if our life depends on it. And our life actually depends on it. We will not doubt it. Help us not to twist it. But to believe in it. Obey in it. And walk in it, Lord. That's what I pray, Father. For us here, all the churches online, I pray we will magnify your word in our lives. Thank you, thank you, Father. You brought us safely. We believe you will reach us all safely. Be with us, Lord, through this day, through this week, through this month. Bless your people, keep your people. For in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen. Boys, on your march, set. We have 10 minutes or less than that to set the house in order. Two, there is lunch. Not at GSS, at the hall, adjoining hall. We are celebrating Pastor Vijay's birthday, okay? Today we shall serve him. He's been serving us faithfully every week.